like it's been ages but it's only been like two weeks or has it been longer you weren't on last week's episode i know i feel like when i miss a week i miss a lifetime you missed a good one i know everybody's been talking about it even the editor was like oh my god this was amazing fomo you have to but- listen to your own podcast now <laughs> i listened to it this morning all right so we have some special guests with us today we have Gemma and emily and you wouldn't mind maybe just each of you maybe just introducing yourself and yeah, we'll go from there. I can go first. My name is Emily Gerleo. I am a software engineer and member of the Ruby community and also a founder of WNB.RB, which is a virtual community for women and non-binary Rubyists. And I'm really happy to be here. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us on. I'm Gemma Israf, she, her pronouns. And I think everything else that Emily said applies to me too. So just all the same description, software developer, also a uh, co-organizer of WNB.RB. And speakers, right? Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We both speak a bit. We podcast a bit. I write a little too. All of the things. That is very active. So maybe we'll start with Emily. Often we have people on the show, we ask, how'd you get into programming? How'd you find your way to Ruby? And we'd love to hear from both of you, but Emily, you mind starting off? Yeah. My story isn't particularly, I don't know, interesting or roundabout. When I was in high school, I was a teenage nerd and I went to mechanical engineering camp one summer, once again, because I was a nerd (laughs) and I was really bad at mechanical engineering, but we did one coding lesson. So when I got home from camp that summer, I spent the whole rest of the summer on Code Academy learning Python. And then I took AP Computer Science in the fall and then studied computer science in college and have been doing it ever since. Where along that path did you stumble across Ruby and what made you be like, oh, this is what I'm going to write? I think the first time I coded in Ruby was at an internship one summer during college. But I think the point at which I actually considered myself like, a Rubyist or like a member of the Ruby community was when I went to my first RubyConf in 2019 and everyone was just so welcoming and I had such a good time that for the first time I considered myself part of a tech community rather than just someone who writes code. Very cool. Yeah, my high school years were colored by wanting to be like my older brother and he had taken eggs that my high school offered and he actually hated it, but it's not what he liked at the time, but he thought I might like it. So I took it and I did like it and then went to college and knew I wanted to study computer science. And so ended up studying computer science and education. First job at a college was in Ruby. So before then I hadn't written a line of Ruby or anything like that. And then actually only after leaving that job about a year ago, did I start to get involved in the broader Ruby community and doing things outside of work, but still related to Ruby. So y'all both took AP Computer Science in high school. So did I. Did y'all write Java with something called IDE slash terminal thing called BlueJ? (laughs) Yes. Okay. I I asked someone about BlueJ the other day and had no idea what I was talking about. Finally, my people were good. Okay. That's all. I just wanted to see. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I thought you had a... Real like enlightening thing to share. After I was, that, but. I, I got distracted. I was thinking about Blue Jay. I was thinking about how much I hate Java. Well, what's um, Blue Jay? Tell me what Blue Jay is. 
Blue Jay is this really simple editor for writing Java that lets you like execute Java too. It's nothing fancy, no code completion, no snippets, no nothing. And I used it for so long, but I never really understood it. It was so like kind of confusing to me. And I didn't realize that I could use Java in something else. But we're here to talk about Ruby. So let's talk about the thing that both of you are doing and have put on WNB.RB. Can you guys give us a little introduction to it and what it is and what you all are trying to do with it? Yeah. So WNB.RB is, as we said, a virtual community for women and non-binary people who write Ruby code. Gemma and I founded it in March of this year with the goal of supporting a more diverse group of people in making meaningful contributions to the Ruby world. And maybe Gemma can elaborate on the story a bit more, but essentially one day she DM'd me out of the blue. We didn't know each other before this and said, hey, I watched your talk from RubyConf last year and I liked it. I'm thinking of starting this meetup. Would you be willing to speak at the first meeting? And I was like, yes, of course, but also can I help you? Like, please let me be involved in this. And that's the origin story. That's also what Brittany Martin was kind of doing for her podcast was like going through RubyConf speakers. Like, Hey, you want to come speak on my podcast? But Gemma, what about Emily? What about her talk was like, oh, I have to have the speaker. Yeah. So it was the two-part request. The first was just a truly earnest, hey, I watched your talk. It was awesome. If you haven't watched it, hopefully you all can link it in the show notes, last year's 2020 RubyConf about learning about how Emily, she can talk about this, but how Emily learned about compaction by debugging something in a C extension. And I, at the time, was trying to learn about garbage collection and so stumbled into her talk, thought it was great. It was like kind of new to Twitter, didn't really know how things worked. I was just like, hey, this was a great talk. I'll DM this person who gave this great talk. She responded saying thank you. And then in the time that she had responded, I had started thinking about this meetup. Like I said, I jumped into the broader Ruby community about a year ago and was going to virtual meetups and noticing that there were just a lot of men and not a lot of anyone else at any of the virtual meetups. And so Emily just engaged. She was super gracious. Oh, thanks for saying you watched the talk and liked the talk and all the things. And then I was like, I'm just going to shoot my shot. Would you want to talk at this meetup? I'm thinking of doing it. Here's why. Here's the reason. And yet, I feel like I had... At that point, Twitter DM'd a few people on different things being like, hey, this article was really cool because it was or things like that. Which, by the way, if you're listening, people always appreciate when you tell them that you like their work. It makes you feel good. It makes them feel good. It's just an all around nice thing to do. So Emily only just jumped right into it. We got on a call. I think she was I was like, "Okay, now that you're interested, here are all these questions I have about if we have a meetup, how are we going to schedule it? Do we need money? Do we need all these things? And gave her like itemized questions and she kept coming back. And I was like, let's just get on a call and discuss this. I know I can safely say it exceeded my expectations so far beyond anything I would have expected nine months later. I think same for Emily. I think we had first envisioned it as only a monthly meetup and it's grown to become so much more than that and, and meaningfully to us to give people much more of a community than we had anticipated. How many people and what kind of events and stuff are y'all doing? So it's not just a monthly meetup and y'all did a bunch of events at RubyConf, which is really cool. So what kind of stuff are y'all doing and how big is the group? So currently we have more than 300 members on our Slack, which is not to say that 300 people come to every single thing we do, but you know, it's kind of what you're getting towards. We have a bunch of different types of events and different subsets of our group come to the different events, depending on what is valuable to them. So 
We have the meetup. We have an interview prep group for people who are looking for jobs. We have a conference proposal working group, which we put together to write our CFPs for RubyConf. And every proposal that we wrote in that group got accepted. We now have a book club. We're reading Rebuilding Rails by Noah Gibbs, which has been really cool. And I'm sure other things, but that's just a few of the things that we organize. I think it's so cool about it is those have all been grassroots. So they've all just been community members saying, hey, is anyone else writing a proposal for RubyConf? I'm writing one, would love to bounce ideas. Or hey, is anyone else going through the job process? I've been working on these leak code problems. Can we do it together? And I think to me, that's been great because it means we're as a community really able to support folks with what they need or, or get them unblocked how they need to be or things like that. I just want to highlight that what they said that every single person that went through their CFP workshop or review process got into RubyConf. That's incredible. It's no small feat. Also, I remember my coworker, Andrea, gave a talk. And what I was blown away by was, I think it was her first time speaking, actually. And it wasn't just, hey, come give a talk. It was like, y'all worked with her and actually like she gave a demo of her talk and you like gave her feedback. I don't know. It was, I was really impressed because... Seems like you weren't just like, we're putting on a meetup, come speak. It's like you were like empowering people to become better speakers. And I just think it's so impactful and so amazing. Thanks. I really appreciate that. And I think that really gets to the core of what we're trying to do because the reason there aren't more women and non binary people speaking at conferences or meetups is not because we are incapable of it, right? Or like we don't have the skills. It's because there's a lack of access to resources that help people prepare and help people gain the confidence that they need to put themselves out there. So one thing that we're trying really hard to do is provide those resources for people to make them feel that they have the support and develop the the confidence to make content and put out valuable information into the community. I think another thing we've found or I've definitely experienced is that when you don't see people who look like you giving talks, you don't then imagine yourself giving talks. And that's not to say there aren't any women or non-binary folks who are speakers. There are obviously huge names in the Ruby community who are women and non-binary. But if you look at, like I was saying, these meetups, if I weren't trying to figure out the Ruby community, I would have a hundred percent gone to the first virtual meetup, seen no women, non-binary people and never gone to another one. So I think a lot of what we're trying to do with this group and and what people within the community are doing for each other is being that role model and being as like you can do it. Andrea, like you're a talk. She gave an incredible and just being that source of encouragement along the way of like, it's natural to feel nervous. All these things are normal. We can't wait for the outcome. And it was so good. I hope she submits a CFP to a conference with that talk. Another thing along those same lines is even if there is only one or only two women who tend to speak at the Ruby conferences. That's a form of exceptionalism, thinking that in order to be a woman and speak at conferences, you have to somehow be better than everyone else when that's not true at all. There's nothing really exceptional about it. It's just every one of us has valuable information that we can share with the community. And it's a matter of who is getting the encouragement and the support. As like leaders of this group, what are some of your favorite experiences maybe you've had so far? I think I had a few favorites at RubyCon. I think the most were uh, came up to me. Thank you for the community saying it was kind of a community that got them through this past year. We've talked about it before. Everyone's talked about it this year. It has not been easy. And knowing 
I've played at least a small part or we played at least a small part in helping someone through this year was really important to me. Also, when people say things like the interview prep group really helped me get a job. Yeah, agreed. And also going back to Andrea, who was the unknown sixth guest of this podcast. I worked really closely with Andrea on her talk and having the experience supporting her in putting it together. I just want to emphasize, I did no actual technical work there. I wasn't like telling her what to do or anything. I was literally just listening to her talk, you know, pointing out things that she was doing really well and making a couple suggestions and just encouraging her to keep going. And the relationship we developed over the course of that process has been so fulfilling to me. And seeing her finally give that talk when she was afraid she couldn't do it made me really happy. Andrea actually showed me that talk. I think it was right before, right after. And it was really solid. And she was really excited about it. It was just fun to watch that. I remember like giving my first talk and being nervous. And I don't think I was excited after because I'm pretty sure like I just bombed my way through the whole thing. So seeing her like so encouraged after was really awesome. If you're listening to this podcast, then who's making sure that your application is running correctly? Is the app up? Are bugs plaguing your users? Do your cron jobs execute correctly? I don't have to worry about this because I have a secret weapon, Honey Badger. Honey Badger works with my unique workflow, is easy to set up on all my projects, and gives me peace of mind throughout the day. The best part is that Honey Badger has all the tools I need in an easy-to-understand UI with excellent documentation. I want to build features, not waste time trying to configure my tools, and Honey Badger provides that for me out of the box. Sign up for Honey Badger today and let them know we sent you. Thanks to Honey Badger for their continued support of the show. What are some ways that people who don't identify with women or non-binary can help with WNRB or just help the community as a whole? Thanks so much for asking that question. I think it's a really important one to ask. And something I've learned through a lot of work on inclusion is that different people are at it. And it's important to understand that as someone answering this question. And I think for some people, the place where they can really help is to begin to see situations where it might not be easy to be someone who looks different or to begin to understand how it might be really difficult to be a person of color at RubyConf, white speakers throughout the entire conference and why that's bad, then there are people who I think have already understood and internalized this, who really have the power to make a difference there, right? To have the power to say at their companies, like, why are we only hiring white people? Why are we only hiring men? So on and so forth, and really push for change. Do the same at meetups and things like that. Yeah, it bums me out how little people talk about lack of diversity within the Ruby community. People are always like jump to say the Ruby community is awesome and incredible and we're so great to each other and all these things. But then if you look around and everyone looks the same, mostly everyone's white in the Western Ruby community, mostly everyone's a man. I can tell you that is not a community that's including folks and that shouldn't be a shock. And it feels like, yeah, one step is just acknowledging that and the next is acting on it. I think... That's totally true. And practically speaking, once you're aware of the problem and you start feeling comfortable about being able to advocate for it, I think there's like various levels of advocacy you can do. I think there's advocacy you can do on your team. For example, I'm I'm having this Twitter conversation right now about how on teams where people are asked to volunteer to take notes during meetings, that responsibility almost always falls to women or femme people on the team. So if you're on a team where people have to volunteer to take notes, bring it up to your manager that maybe that should be a rotating responsibility. And that requires you to both 
know that this is a problem and know some potential solutions. And so you've, you know, practically speaking, spent time trying to understand the problem and as well as the potential solutions. I think even beyond your own team, there are causes that you can volunteer for or donate your money to. One thing that really helps us at WNB.RB is having sponsors who can help us fund some of our initiatives. And so talking to whoever is responsible at your company for making those sponsorship donations about sponsoring communities like ours. We're definitely not the only diversity community in tech and really putting some actual money and wealth back into the hands of people who could use it to advance diversity causes in the community. Can I ask what you three reflect on your increasing diversity in the Ruby community? What are things that I'm sure listeners would be interested in? What are things that you three are already doing that have been impactful or helpful or things you're intentional about? Like for Emily's example of telling someone if the note-taking responsibilities seem inequitably distributed or something like that. I want to be purposely vague for obvious reasons, but I've told managers before, hey, our team is only white guys. What's up with that? And then tried to bring in other people. And then I had the Ruby blend where it was not all white people. And we kind of intentionally did that. And we were like, we want to bring more voices into it because Nate and I just left Ruby Rogues. And we were like, let's bring our friend Ron into this, who was Nate's friend. He became my friend. But to kind of like add to, you know, another voice, a different voice, the community. And then we were trying to bring on more diverse guests during that time. Just like calling it out when you see it at an unknown time period. One of my buddies, we were on like a call with with a female programmer and he said something and I was like, don't say that. I don't remember exactly what it was. And it wasn't like derogatory in any way. It was just like, you didn't need to say that. Don't say that. Don't talk about that. So I think calling it out is what I do. But I mean, of course, we could all be doing more. So yeah, I've been thinking a lot about, but what I've been trying to do recently is just talk less and listen more. And try to actually like ask hard questions sometimes, like people I'm comfortable asking hard questions to just to make sure I understand. I don't want to like implicitly just think something's the way it is because I've never seen the other side of it, if that makes sense. So like I want to do more and I want to be someone who speaks up for people. Right now, a lot of it is I'm wanting to make sure that I'm working through not having any like implicit biases or anything like that and trying to just be better. That's why I'm asking, like, how can we help? What are ways we can do? I know it's not like an awesome position, but I am, just to be blunt, I am trying. I think those questions are awesome. And just to be explicit too, I am not perfect on this. I'm trying my best just like everyone else. And I'm sure there are huge blind spots I have. And I obviously also have the immense privilege, or maybe not obviously, because this is an audio medium and not a visual medium, but I am white and I have the immense privilege of being white and huge blind spots around people of color's experience in tech and can only really speak for my own as a woman. I think that's something that really plays into all of this, not just in tech, but in like society is who you kind of grew up around or who you knew. Because like where I grew up, I did not grow up with people who looked like me. My best friends did not look like me who had the biggest impact on my life like growing up. So when all these issues come out and they're like, and some people are like, oh, racism still exists. I'm like, yeah. Do you not have any friends at all? So I feel like people who are conscious and like where they grew up or just the people in their lives that like alert them to it, the sooner that happens, I just get so 
angered and like also bewildered when I see people online and they're like, oh, well, I've never seen that happen to women in tech. And I'm like, how? Just go look at the Twitter replies of someone. It's so apparent. It kind of baffles me that people are blind to it. Just like it baffles me that people are blind to like the racism in this country. I've always seen it because I've always been with people who alerted me to it. But I guess like not everyone wants to do their best. But I think at the end of the day, if you see something, say something. Don't be one of those people that just lets it perpetuate because that's the only way we can make any sort of change is by someone with courage being willing to step up to their friend or their coworker and be like, hey, that's not okay. Or hey, like our team looks like this or hey, this or that. I think that's the only way we can go forward. I want to say thank you all for the work you are doing. And I think maybe because like I am close with Andrea and I just see the impact you have. I think it's really awesome that it's not just a sense of community. Like I said earlier, I really believe you're empowering people. And I think it's amazing. So I wanted to say thank you for that. I had uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about, if it's okay, before we wrap up. Gemma, I don't have a time frame, but I feel like I just started seeing you everywhere. I saw really in-depth technical like blog posts and tweets being shared. And I was like, wow, this is really awesome. Then every week you were like a recurring, not even like a link, you were a recurring spot in Ruby Weekly. Is this something like recent? Like you started kind of just really getting into making content. Have you been doing this for a while? Kind of, yeah, if you wouldn't mind just explaining how you've kind of gotten into all this recently. Yeah, it's funny asking this in December because it all happened within the past year or mostly happened within the past year. Last fall, I was at something called the Recurse Center, which is a programming retreat of sorts. It's almost like an artist retreat or a writer's retreat. You kind of work on whatever you like with other people who are interested in doing the same. No money changes hands. It's really just because you enjoy programming. And so there I started writing a little. I was just, I wanted to write about what I was learning. And then when Ruby 3 came out this time last year, I ended up writing a little thing about the measure command in IRB. I thought it was pretty interesting. And so I was like, hey, I know Ruby Weekly goes out to the thing about just hitting up random people. I sent the article to Peter Cooper, who I did not know at the time. And I was just like, hey, I have this article. I thought it was interesting. I didn't see anyone else write about it. If you wanted to include it in Ruby Weekly, I had no idea how that worked. I was like, just here it is. And he was like, oh, we're actually thinking of doing this tip of the week. Would you want to just write it? We want a similar style to what you just sent me. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I think, I don't know, I think the other thing about contacting random people the way I did is opportunities just open up that way. And I think a similar thing about speaking, actually, opportunities open up if you're speaking and putting yourself out there and and making content. And I like writing content. I liked getting into the technical and then explaining it. I've always liked teaching. Like I said, I studied education too. Yeah. And I I got lucky with a few things. Ended up doing a little podcasting and then Brittany asked me to co-host. So I started doing that semi-regularly. Brittany's the best. This is our time of the podcast where we talk about how great Brittany is. (laughs) Our editor will let us know that we're doing this. Brittany's great. Shout out to Brittany. I did want to say that if y'all have anyone in your community who's writing articles or whatever, wants to do a tip of the week, my newsletter, please just send it to me. It will go in. And that goes for anyone listening as well. But like, please send us content. We want to put your content in. And so please send your people our way. If someone out there is like, oh, this sounds great. I'm a woman or non-binary. How do they join... WNB.RB. We have a Google form that people can fill out 
for us to add them to our Slack and to our Google group, which essentially functions as a calendar for our events. So right now, the easiest way to find that form is to go check us out on Twitter. We are WNB underscore RB on Twitter. And in our profile, the linked item is to this sign up form. Just to be super explicit, even if you're not on Twitter, you can still go to our profile and see the link. You don't need an account or anything to get there. Yes, exactly. Thank you for that. Well, I appreciate y'all joining us. I reached out to Emily in like March and then here we are, which Andrew kindly put me on blast at RubyConf in front of everyone about. But seriously, yeah, thanks for joining us and just kind of sharing your stories and telling us more about WNBRB. Thank you so much for having us. You guys want to plug your social media? Sure. I'm Gemma Isroff. It's a complicated spelling, lots of double letters in there, but I'm sure we can link it from somewhere on Twitter and then Gemma.dev. I similarly have a complicated last name with like too many vowels. I'm Emily Drilleo, also probably in the show notes on Twitter. And then emilydrilleo.dev is my website. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And Chris, Andrew, anything before we, we wrap up? Thank you guys so much for doing this because I feel like there was like a crucial missing part that y'all are now fulfilling. And I really am happy and excited to see what y'all continue to do with it. And y'all had such a big presence at RubyConf. That was fantastic to see. So thank y'all for everything you're doing. And if there's anything that we can do to help y'all, please let us know. Yeah, I want to say the same thing. I know I was quiet this episode, but I just wanted to let you guys speak. And I don't know, this is so important for the community. So I want to thank everybody for that and making the Ruby community even better. It's great, but there's a lot to improve. And I think this goes a long ways to helping that. So thank you guys. All right. Well, Chris, Andrew, we will shut it down and start up again next week. All right. Later. Bye.